This episode is brought to you by Element, spelled L-M-N-T. What is Element? It's a delicious, sugar-free electrolyte drink mix. As a coach, we are constantly trying to find the best products for our athletes to train and compete at their highest level. Element is a great alternative to other commercial recovery and performance drinks and has enough sodium, potassium, and magnesium to get you feeling and performing your best. Plus, it has zero sugar, no artificial ingredients, and is gluten-free. With eight delicious flavors, you are guaranteed to find one your taste buds will love. I know our athletes love the citrus salt. We keep a variety box in the office, and our athletes stop by every day on their way to practice and games to load up. At this point, they won't even touch another product. With amazing products and sponsors like Element, our podcast would not be possible. Right now, when you click on our affiliate link and place your first Element order, Element will give us 100% commission. Element might have the best return policy on the planet. If you don't love it, you'll be instantly refunded. Let's talk about sleep for a minute. I've had a terrible time getting productive rest and sleep for the last few years. And since poor sleep can lead to all sorts of health problems, I'm constantly on the hunt for a better night's sleep. Recently, I came across a new product called Beam Dream which has delivered the best sleep I've had in a long time. The first time I tried it, I fell asleep on the couch within a half hour and didn't wake up until the next day. Since starting my new routine with Beam, my sleep performance has improved significantly according to both my Aura Ring and Whoop Band. Yes, I use both at once because why not have more data? If you are interested in upgrading your sleep, I invite you to try Beam Dream. Today, my listeners get a special discount on Beam's Dream Powder their best-selling healthy hot cocoa for sleep with no added sugar. Now available in delicious seasonal flavors like cinnamon cacao, sea salt caramel, and white chocolate peppermint. Better sleep has never tasted better. A recent clinical study revealed that 93% of users wake up feeling more refreshed and 93% reported that Dream helped them get a more restful night's sleep. If you're looking for a way to get some rest and you have trouble sleeping, I highly recommend this product. If you want to try Beam's best-selling dream powder, take advantage of their biggest sale of the year and get up to 50% off for a limited time. When you go to shopbeam.com contacts, discount auto-applied at checkout, no code is necessary. That's shopbeam.com contacts for up to 50% off. Our next partner has a product I use every day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted a simple all-in-one solution as opposed to the ever-changing variety of supplements I have been taking for as long as I can remember. Sometimes up to three ramekins a day full of pills and powders trying to find the right formula for peak performance. Now that I've been taking Athletic Greens for a few months, I love it and I will never go back. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food, sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. I take one scoop in the morning on an empty stomach and an additional one in the evening when I'm feeling run down. I've seen such a difference in my own performance that I recently ordered additional AG1 for the rest of my family to use. It costs you less than $3 a day, you're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit, and supports better sleep quality and recovery, in addition to mental clarity and alertness. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. 
No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash contacts. Again, this is athleticgreens.com slash contacts to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Welcome to the Contacts Coaching Podcast, dedicated to bringing you practical ideas from coaches, sharing what they have learned throughout their career. The show is designed to serve as a digital database of mentorship from a wide network of coaches whose innovative, reflective, and diverse knowledge may offer ideas to enhance your experience. In addition to sport-specific expertise, each episode also dives into the ways in which culture, strategy, and tactics can cross from one discipline to another. I'm your host, Justin Klein. Welcome back to the Contacts Coaching Podcast. We are blessed this morning to be joined by Maria Zamora, former varsity women's soccer coach at Soledad High School, currently the vice president of the Salinas Soccer Femenil, which I probably pronounced wrong, but she's going to correct me, uh, which is an organization dedicated to female soccer and empowerment that she's going to talk about here on the pod. Coach, thanks for being here today. No, thank you. Buenos dias. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm just talking a little bit about the coaching perspective from a female angle, right? (laughs) I started coaching at Soledad back in 2018. And years prior to that, all the coaching staff had been female for the female soccer program. I stopped coaching once we became champions. (laughs) I feel coming from a teacher perspective, you need to start with your end product in mind. And for me, it was like, once we become champions, we move to the another division, a higher division. Then I feel it's my call to give the baton to someone else, right? And that's exactly what I did. A couple of my students came back and they took over the program. Something that I'm really working hard on is to get more females into coaching. Because as of now, SHS has three male coaches for the female soccer program. But slowly, I feel like we're going to start to get back there. Love it. So way to go out on top there. But let's go back all the way to the beginning. How did you get into coaching? Take us through your background as an athlete to where you got your first coaching job and then any subsequent transitional coaching jobs along the way. Of course. My soccer career started very like organically. Coming from Mexico, I was born in the beautiful state of Michoacán, Mexico. (laughs) And I came over here when I was about eight years old. Coming from a traditional Mexican family, they're not very supportive of of female soccer. They're into soccer. We are huge Chivas fans. I don't know if you're familiarized with the Mexican teams. (laughs) But then when it comes to female soccer, they're like, I don't know. I think that's more for males. So trying to break those barriers was very hard. But now that I think about it, that's all those steps took me to where I am today. Okay. I remember my first team, I played for Pajaro Middle School in Watsonville. And that was a challenge, but I had the support of my brother who would train me and my father who would drive me around. Nowadays, my parents are in their mid-70s. I'm the baby. (laughs) So now that I'm technically retired from soccer, they're like, oh my God, now what's going on? Now I hear that you're always busy with uh, meetings and meeting more coaches. So I played for North Monterey County High School. We were first divisions right there in Castroville. And we were champs three out of the four years. And back then, North County, it was very different in terms of demographics. 
my bestie and I were like the only two Latinas. And for me, that was empowering as well. I feel very welcomed by the team. And I still remember that these girls would play year, year long through AYSO leagues and other local and travel teams. But for us, the winter was like ooh, our biggest season because that's when we had the opportunity to play. We didn't have anything else. And not to brag, I guess we were good because every year we would make it to varsity. <laughs> Eventually, I continued playing. MPC wanted me to play for them, but that's when I tear my ACL. And I always talk about these injuries with my students and my players. At that point, I was doing my BA at UC Santa Cruz. And I had been attending some of the practices, but again, getting an injury like that was very tough. Commuting from Castroville made it even tougher than coming from a low-income community. But I managed to get around it, and I decided to play locally with the Salina Soccer League. Back then, it was like males and females combined. But I did have the opportunity to play against semi-professional teams from Mexico and still get to the top. I still remember a quote that said, give it your best and get to the very top. You might shoot up for the stars, but you might end up in the moon. And here I am today talking to you. I love that. So from there, right, you finish school, you get your BA, you land. I'm assuming it's Soledad. Maybe there's a stop along the way. But how did you end up being the coach at Soledad? What was the process for that? And mm -hmm. then I want to follow up after you finish there. Oh, okay. So after I completed my BA UC Santa Cruz, I went for my master's at San Jose State. Uh, as I was completing my master's, I was working for a program through Upper Bound at CSUMB. And this type of programs help students like to bridge the gap between high school and it's like an opportunity program. So they were the ones that reached out to me, Soledad. They're like, hey, we are really in need of a teacher. I, I, we feel that you meet all the requirements. And I started working there back in 2014. Um, as I became more familiarized with the campus and everything, they started to learn that I was very passionate about soccer. At that time, I was still playing. And eventually, the coaches retired. I had a really good relationship with them, uh, but I felt like that they felt that they had been doing it for a while. And they're like, well, high school size, they usually prefer to have teachers for various reasons. So when they found out that I was very passionate about soccer, that I played and that I was coaching outside of high school, just in local leagues, like very organically, they told me, would you consider being the head coach for Soledad? And <laughs> that, that was a challenge. I said, the head coach, and then there's no other coaches staying. I'm going to have to restart the program from scratch. You're like, yes, but we know you can do it, Samora. And I did. I took on the challenge back in 2018. And our first season, being in Cypress Division, we got third place. My second year, we got second, and then the pandemic hit. We still made it to CCS. And then my last year, we became champs. <laughs> and it was a very interesting championship, to say the least. <laughs> Love that. All right, let me go back here. So you get asked to be the head coach with no formal coaching experience, but you've been dabbling in the leagues locally. So the pod was originally designed as a digital database of mentorship. So this is a perfect situation for me to mm -hmm. ask you, what did you realize right away that you needed to figure out where you're like, okay, I got this. I've got a little experience, but now you're in charge of an entire program. What are the things that caught you by surprise that it took you a while to get your head wrapped around them so that you could thrive? Oh, yeah. Usually when you think about coaching, I think we all have the idea of, oh, I'm going to get to the field. I'm going to show them technique, all these things. But then you realize as a head program coach, you have to deal not only with admin, you have to deal with parents, 
you have to deal with athletes, right? And being a teacher, you always have to remind them that they're first students and then athletes. And that, and I'm big on that. I'm an academic coach. <laughs> so having to learn and jump all those loops was difficult the first year and bringing new coaches who I could rely on, coaches who didn't have as much experience as myself, just doing it organically in the leagues was tough. But then realizing that the public we serve, the public we cater to, really felt empowered and saw themselves in me, that brought everything together. Awesome. Can you go a little bit more into detail on what you learned about dealing with admin, what you learned about dealing with parents? What about athletes, right? So you started in year one and these challenges arose because like you said, you think you're just going to be on the field and it's now about 20% of your job is coaching actual soccer. The other 80% is doing all this other stuff. So share a little bit. What did we learn about how to navigate administration over your time, right? First year to last year as the coach. What can you share with people that may be in the same predicament? Oh, yeah, many things. And I'm going to give examples. (laughs) I remember the first tryout session, we had 89 students try out. And many of them were trying out because they were my students. Hey, someone I would like. They had never played soccer before. So they sometimes assume, oh, she's my teacher. I'm going to make it. And it's really hard when you're there on campus and you have to put the list of who made it and who didn't. But coming from, from a background where you have to open it up for everyone, I invited several of my coaches from outside who I knew had the expertise to see students and be neutral about it and say, mm, this one should be in this team. This one's going to make it. This one's not. I still remember having six of them and I approached tryouts in a way as I would do in a classroom, like little centers, we would move them around and it was very organized in that sense. I eventually, some parents, obviously, they're going to complain. How come my daughter's not on one of the rosters? But then you're like, here's the evidence. I did Excel spreadsheets. They were not used to that. This is what each coach gave. They didn't have their names. They had numbers that we had them go by. So everything would be as transparent as possible. And I brought this point because I bring this point because yesterday a parent called me, even though I'm not in charge of the girls soccer program, questioning the process. So I reach back to my coaches and they don't have the data. So a huge advice for incoming coaches, document everything. Let's talk about that for a second. Tryout processes are always unique to individuals and, and sports, right? So like my particular process here in a little different environment is I've got I don't know, 36 girls trying to play basketball this year. And I'm in no hurry. We don't play till after December. We're going into week three next week and I'm still massaging it. I think I have one of the teams figure it out and the other one I don't. But it's, I look at it, the longer I can delay this, the more data I can collect to your point to show them, hey, here's where you fell, here's where you fell, right? But then I think others don't necessarily have what you described, right? As Mm -hmm. different drill areas where you're basically grading them Mm -hmm. and then you're putting it all together where it's okay, gameplay, small-sided games, skill development, whatever it all happens to be in soccer. And then you're tracking that. And I love what you said about, they don't have names, they have numbers. And you brought in objective observers who aren't actually on the coaching staff to give Mm -hmm. some feedback. Talk a little bit about how that has benefited the process, but also what are some of the blind spots in that process in regards to the intangibles that also help make up a team? Yeah. The first step is getting the coaches approved because obviously they're not district board approved, but they're going to be volunteers. So there's a process you have to follow in high school, right? 
sometimes I feel when parents want to come in and jump into practice, no, I'm sorry, there's a process. <laughs> you have to go through the athletic director perhaps, right? So some of the intangible things might be these coaches that are coming from the outside might have a different interpretation of the high school program. And I often felt that in my last couple of years. And I feel like this is where the conversation is heading. We have players who have been playing all their life. They play travel and they assume just by the fact that they have played all these years that they're going to be leading the team. And you have to be constantly reminding them that this is a team sport. And then at the end of the day, you might be the best player out there. But if you don't meet the requirements of a minimum of a 2.0, I'm sorry, you cannot play. And sometimes the coaches that would come in, they're like, no, this one should be in varsity. <sighs> Unfortunately, they didn't meet the grades and they couldn't get cleared. So those things, you know, that people who don't coach for high school need to take into consideration. The, the student part is always going to come first than the athletic. Yeah, no doubt. All right. That's your first experience into it, right? How did you evolve the process over time, right? Because you were there for however many years. How did it change? And what things have stayed with you into the new role of working more with the club atmosphere? Mm -hmm. Like every time you take a challenge, you learn something new, right? Coaching. Now I'm a mentor coach for the coaches that are there. They're youngsters. And I try to look at the process through their lens, right? Obviously, when you coach females, many aspects are going to come into play. Our bodies are different. You need females to be in charge of females, or at least you need one female soccer coach within the group, right? There were many occasions where I was the only female coach, and the girls wouldn't feel comfortable approaching the male coaches about certain things that were going on during that time of the month, right? Because they wouldn't understand, right? And also because maybe they didn't feel as comfortable. When we decided to create the Salina Soccer Femenil, we knew it had to be a league by women for women, right? Obviously, our coaches that come and support our males and work greatly, we love them. It's empowering when males support female soccer. But bringing that into the Salina Soccer Femenil and knowing the group you're, you're catering to, it's very important because you need to be organized. In my case, I asked a VP, we do have a Sunday league. But from that Sunday league, we choose like an all-star team that, comp that competes at a semi-professional level, the UPSL, the United Premier Soccer League. And for that, you need a lot of organization skills. And I'm the director for that. I'm leading that project. And right now, we're the current NorCal champs. And that has taken a lot. And me as a former coach, I bring that all to the table to teach the other coaches who are currently there. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And it makes me curious, both at Soledad and now where you're at, what do you think is the best thing you do in your program that has the largest ripple effect on the culture you're trying to create? Meaning if you suddenly left and went and coached at another school or another organization, what is it that you're bringing with you? Because it's so transformational that you would do it no matter what sport and or group you're coaching. The number one thing as a teacher and as a coach is always trying to connect with your students, your athletes. I think we all have something in common, right? For many athletes, the sport is a venue, right? And I've seen it in your podcast for them to express who they are. Sometimes that's the only place where they feel like welcomed and appreciated. They might not be the brightest students, but guess what? They're tough athletes and they start feeling a sense of belonging, whether it's in a school or whether it's in the community. So learning how to approach those individuals and learning how to make them a part of what you're trying to accomplish, that's the number one key to being successful, I think. 
Yeah, I would agree with that. We've talked about it a lot recently in regards to relationship building, right? And you have the cliche that kids don't care what you know till they know you care about them. But even more so than that, if you are coming, it's especially hard for an off-campus coach, people that are listening. You actually have to put in more time because you don't have the organic time that, say, a teacher mm-hmm. does who's on campus. But it's ultimately, you got to figure out how to connect with each athlete so you know their personality, so you know how to meet them where they are, versus the good old days where it was like, we treat everybody the same and too bad if they don't like it. How would you say navigating that has shifted for you over time as you move from, say, one demographic to another, right? What are some of the challenges that you have run into, even though you've done it long enough, you've had enough success where you've got it figured out, but what are some of the things that you've been learning over the last couple of years that you've had to shift on? Yeah. as uh, This is my 10th year at Soledad, and in my 10 years, I have sent zero, zero students to the office for misbehaving. And you think all these years I've had angels? And that's what I tell my students. No, I haven't. But taking the time to talk to them, maybe even for a minute after class, every single day, I greet my students at the door, right? And that's how human relations are. And this applies in the classroom, when you're coaching, and life overall. And I feel like the biggest challenge right now with a a semi-professional team, you have the girls that are very seasoned in that sense. They play for college. So... Just taking their knowledge and telling them that they're here to empower the younger generations so they feel like they have a say in the process, that is key. Because we're all learning. When we're open to learning and giving everyone a venue to express what they can bring to the table, that's key. Because I feel that the challenge is knowing how to adapt to change. Change is not always good, but if you know how to adapt to it, that changes everything. Yeah, no doubt. And change is happening daily, right? Mm -hmm. Yearly, monthly. And so if you're not embracing it, you're going to get stuck and not be able to adapt to the the shifting sand, so to speak. Let me ask this. You are deeply invested in soccer. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'm curious what you've learned watching other sports that you have been able to borrow and implement as a coach. From a technicality point of view, you start thinking of the lineups. I'm very good at analyzing. Give me three minutes and I'm going to tell you how the other team is playing, (laughs) who their key player is. But then once the halftime mark hits and they're talking to their players, I can see that the relationship, I'm very good at observing. You have some coaches that are giving their all right there in the middle, and then you have players who are not even bothered to listen to what he has to share. So again, that comes back to how you treat your players. If you treat them equally, it's not going to work. We're not the same. We all have our individualities. And catering to those, it's it's the glue that's going to make everything come together. When I talk to my girls, I try to remind them. that They're like, you're more like a motherly figure. I'm like, thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) Once you earn the respect from them, and I'm not talking about soccer respect, just as an individual, everything comes, everything falls into place. Yeah, no doubt. And I think one of the things our one of my former teachers has said throughout his career, he's retired now, but when they asked him, hey, what do you teach? He's, I teach people, right? Mm-hmm. Versus I teach math. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, it's the same thing when you're coaching, right? You're coaching people, you're coaching human beings, and they're all different. And soccer, in your case, is the vehicle to teach and deliver lessons on leadership, on life, on all of those things that translate. 
What do you think has been the biggest shift over your time in coaching where let's say X used to be your major point of emphasis and now it's Y because it has a much greater transformative effect than what X was doing at the beginning. Okay. I used to think that practice makes perfect when I started coaching and no practice makes progress. Like I said, when I started, <laughs> I thought, oh, once I become champion with Soledad, then we move to the other division, then I'm done. No, coaching is like a lifelong learning lesson. And right now that I'm part of the UPSL and we are champs, like I said, now I'm like, oh, this is not the end. We just started. So how can we make the program bigger? How can we invite people from maybe like the Bay Area to come and support as a new team, a new professional team from the Bay It's starting? So the future is female. So just working on that aspect and giving light to soccer and with an emphasis on female, it's key. So talk a little bit about the Selena soccer feminine in regards to how would you describe it in an elevator pitch? This is what we do. Here are all the different levels and organization that we have in addition to the mission and vision where we're trying to grow. Yes. The Salinas Soccer Femenil started because I did have uh, some JV players that when the season was over, they said, Miss Amora, so now what's left? My parents are not going to sign me up for a travel team. As we know, travel teams are expensive. And I said, oh, there's nothing over here in South County. So I gathered up with a group of coaches and friends and said, hey, what do you guys think? So I'm like the, the founder of the Salinas Soccer Femenil. <laughs> what do you think if we build a league that's, that is around the offseason of high school and that way players in the area have an opportunity to play at a very affordable price. Usually players pay like a one-time fee of $70 and it runs from April through October when tryouts start. We provided them with uniforms. So in reality, we didn't get anything back. It's just gratitude. And that's all we needed in the beginning. We applied to become a nonprofit and we're officially a 501c3 and looking forward to expand, expanding this. When more players started joining the league, they we had many from Harnell and as college levels more competitive. And they said, hey, Samora, have you considered like doing like a semi-pro team? Like we would still play this in the Sunday league, but maybe something more competitive where we can gather an all-star. And I said, why not? <laughs> Let's give it a, a try. I started doing the research and I signed up the team back in February. And usually this, this season runs from May through July. Yeah, I was like, it is an investment, but let's give it a try. And I'm always big on taking ideas from people, like I said earlier, and applying them. Sometimes they'll work, sometimes they won't, but at least we can say we gave it a shot and we did and it worked. <laughs> That's great. No, I love that. And I want to follow up because obviously these things that you've been involved with are growing, you're finding success. Um, you've won at a high level. Uh, I'm curious along the way, if you have any, moments of let's call them failure which mm. allowed you to recalibrate and learn and grow to your practice makes progress right do you have any of those from a coaching standpoint that you can share that you've always leaned on as like a pivotal moment that's allowed you to become better at your craft oh yeah just trying to think back and reflect on 2022 i think that was where my mental health was the worst 
because trying to do a new program and trying to manage everything, you start to realize that you cannot control everything. I wanted to be a coach. I wanted to manage the team. I wanted to be everywhere, be the public relations representative. Unfortunately, we can't. And sometimes you just got to let go. You just got to tell people, give, and, give them an idea of what you expect from them and let them see what they bring to the table. This year, our Cosmos, that's the official name of the team, Cosmos, <laughs> for the UPSL, they were all male. But I saw something in them when they came to us and they had a team in the Sunday League that they were really forward to supporting female soccer. Again, remember I had this mentality that ah, a woman should always be the coach. We were always there, present when the coaching was there. And I did see that their style was not necessarily like mine, but I was able to appreciate some of the things they would bring into the table. And when we had the final evaluation, we did let them know as a board, because the board is made up of four women, that we needed to see some change in certain aspects. And this year, one of the board members, who was my mentor coach, she's going to be also part of the coaching staff. Because again, when we expect something, we have to show them, right? When you're a teacher and a coach, you don't tell them, you show them. No doubt. Let me ask you this follow-up then. What is something that you've recently changed your mind on in regards to approach? I used to be over here and now I'm over here and here's why. And I made a tactical decision to switch my opinion on something because hell, times have changed. Your knowledge has changed. What's something like that, either personally or professionally, coaching, teaching, life, whatever it is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like I said, I'm big on academics. And unfortunately, not everyone is gifted or has the patience to learn and be an A student. So ideally, as a high school coach, you want your students to be A plus students and be great athletes, right? Because the end up uh, goal is for them to get a scholarship and go to a four year and that's like the trophies I actually appreciate. But what happens when you have really dedicated players who simply try and for some reason they can't? And I look at their grades and I talk to their teachers and I can't. Then you have to start thinking, and this is where I change my mentality. Yes, soccer and academics should go hand by hand. But sometimes you need to create opportunities for those players who really want to play at a higher level. And it's not going to be through academics. A couple of weeks ago, the, Me the Mexican Female Soccer League, now they have a professional site, right? We had some trainers come from Atlas and Santos, and uh, we sent some of the players that we thought had a chance to go and try out over there. They actually recruited two. Some of these players never had a chance to play at a higher level because of their academics, but now they can see their dream being fulfilled because now they can say, oh, I went and tried out with whether they make it or not. Now they have an opportunity to bring that back to the community. So before it was like, you know, you have to be a good student in order to make it to a higher competitive level. Now I see that there's different pathways. When I was younger, I wish there was this opportunity. And that's where I was getting stuck on. Oh, when I was a player, I could have made it here. I could have made it there, but I didn't have the opportunities. Now my thing is I'm not looking for opportunities. I'm creating opportunities. Yep, that's gold. I'm not looking for them. I'm creating them. Let me wrap with this. If you were starting over today, what would you do differently and or what piece of advice would you give your younger self? Some people say I'm a perfectionist. I tend to be very hard on myself. At the end of the day, as long as you put your heart into it, things are going to come and settle in the right path. 
I'm a big believer of giving people a second chance. We all make mistakes and being open to change and embracing the difficulties and what they entail. It's always an opportunity for growth. Being a Spanish teacher, I want to welcome all my Spanish speaking students and athletes who sometimes fear joining a, an upper level like Cosmos because oh, most of the girls don't speak Spanish. Hey, challenge yourselves. Being bilingual, especially here in California, is an asset. El que habla de dos idiomas vale por dos personas. Sí, sí se puede. <laughs> I was going to be done, but you said something that I want to follow up on. And I'm curious to get your take <laughs> on coaching and messaging and how you navigate when you have multilingual kids on a team along with what is it? Monolingual kids on the same team, right? So you probably have some English only, right? <laughs> some Spanish only and some bilingual. How do you work <laughs> to remain inclusive mm -hmm. when by default, mm -hmm. right? People are, I want to say excluded, but there's barriers just based mm -hmm. on language acquisition. And I haven't had anybody in your position before. So I'm curious what your thoughts on that, right? Because I've Jose Gill is one of my buddies. He's the basketball coach in AD at Alisal. And he will modulate between giving coaching in Spanish and in English and in whatever that kid particularly needs. And I'm always just curious, like, what people's take is on that. <laughs> Excellent question. At the end of the day, I feel like soccer is universal. As a teacher, when you're teaching a second language, you use a lot of hand gestures. You use realia. It's very visual when you're coaching you tell them, hey, I want a through ball. And you do all these hand gestures. So I remember my first year, even in, at Saul and Dan, the demographics within the past four years has changed a lot. Uh, my first year, I had a lot of non-English speakers. So I even feel more comfortable. That's my first language, right? And the lingo and soccer, that always comes to me more naturally in Spanish. I'm challenging myself with this interview right now because I could say so much. <laughs> but then when I started uh, receiving more English speaking students, and I knew that, but I pretended like I didn't because I wanted them to understand the, the lingo because sometimes we go and play against, play against Alisol and the coaches speak in Spanish. I'm like, they're not going to intimidate us. We speak Spanish too in English. <laughs> Telling them, oh, filtra el balón, throw ball, this and that. It's very soccer when you coach. I'm like loud, but very supportive. Let's go, ladies. You got this, Lady Aztecs. This is Tenochtitlan, because Tenochtitlan, we're the Aztecs at Soledad. <laughs> and Tenochtitlan was the biggest temple, right? So when the other teams would arrive, seem, seeing like they own the high school, it's no, this is our homeland. This is Tenochtitlan. We're the warriors, and we're going to defend our school. Ooh, you should see the difference. It's about empowering. And at the end of the day, it's not a language. It's how you communicate non-verbally yeah all right i'm gonna ask another question and then we're gonna really wrap up you just said let's go lady aztecs mm -hmm. i'm curious what your take is on the impact of adding that adjective in front of your team name and how that <laughs> lands both historically and in contemporary times in regards to the female athletes that we're coaching. I would say around here, it's been an intentional departure from Lady Pirates over the last 15 years to, mm -hmm. no, we're all pirates. Like we're all chasing the same thing here. What's your take on that as a female coach? 
As a female coach and as a literature expert, I love literature. I, I think about these things. So before the program was always, oh, that girl's soccer, that's solid. And that girl's soccer, it's, oh, these are not only girls. These are young adults. We're ladies, but we're empowering ladies. So putting the lady and saying, this is female soccer at Soledad, because to be honest, in the last four or five years, the program at Soledad is very representational with the female soccer. And I noticed that after we named the lady soccer Aztecs, all the other sports, lady basketball Aztecs, they started embracing the lady in front of it, like saying, oh, females are here. Female is future and we're here to stay. Got it. Yeah. And like I said, I was curious because there's different takes on it, right? Depending on mm -hmm. wh whatever the prevailing winds are at that time. So I appreciate your, your opinion <laughs> and your take on that. Last little softball. If people want to learn more about the Selena Soccer Feminine, where can they find more information and connect with you? You know what? Before I was not big on social media. I literally started my Instagram account when I became coach at Soledad. <laughs> my students were like, hey, Samora, you need an Instagram. <laughs> I think I'm an old soul. They tell me I, I enjoy my coffee. I enjoy reading. That's my thing. And soccer, obviously. So I joined the social media just because of soccer. So right now they can follow us at Salina Soccer Femenil on IG. And then we have our website, salinasoccerfemenil.org. If they want to sign up, they have questions, we get back to them ASAP. Yeah? <laughs> Love it. So if you're interested in finding out more about women's soccer in the Salinas Valley, reach out. Coach Zamora would love to talk with you. Coach, thanks for being here today. Appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to jump on the pod. No, thank you so very much. Muchísimas gracias. Lo aprecio. I appreciate it. This episode is brought to you by Element, spelled L-M-N-T. What is Element? It's a delicious sugar-free electrolyte drink mix. As a coach, we are constantly trying to find the best products for our athletes to train and compete at their highest level. Element is a great alternative to other commercial recovery and performance drinks and has enough sodium, potassium, and magnesium to get you feeling and performing your best. Plus, it has zero sugar, no artificial ingredients, and is gluten-free. With eight delicious flavors, you're guaranteed to find one your taste buds will love. I know our athletes love the citrus salt. We keep a variety box in the office and our athletes stop by every day on their way to practice and games to load up. At this point, they won't even touch another electrolyte product. Without amazing products and sponsors like Element, our podcast would not be possible. Right now, when you click on our affiliate link and place your first Element order, Element will give us 100% commission. Last thing, Element might have the best return policy on the planet. If you don't love it, you'll be instantly refunded.